Welcome back to A Fresh Perspective with Victoria. This week I was joined by my former boss, Anita Aguilar, and she's quite a character. She says what's on her mind and she never apologizes for it. She's a little chaotic, but in a good way, I guess. Uh, You know, I really looked up to her while I was on her team, and she's always been a mentor to me. She's still a mentor to me, even though we no longer work together. Uh, I think that she's an inspiration for women who want to find success, Uh, and I'm really excited to be able to kind of share with you some stories that she doesn't always share with people. So here we go. Joining me today is my former boss and current friend, Anita Aguilar. We worked together for about two years, and so today I really want to hear about your stories, hear about kind of how you became the HBIC that you are today. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me. Of course. So I first want to start off just talking about your background. I know you grew up in San Diego, and then you went off to college, right? and you originally wanted to become a lawyer, or get into law, and then how did you end up in the mortgage industry? How did I end up? So I was, so kind of exactly what you said, I, I went to Loyola Law School, Loyola undergrad, was originally going to go straight to study real estate law, mm-hmm. and then one of my really good friends and I, and a couple of our other friends, got in a pretty bad car accident. And she was uh, going to be bedridden for a couple months. So I kind of like took that as a, I got to come home and, you know, just put my grounds down because I'm a, you know, youngest of four, you know, very Hispanic, traditional family, have never really left home with the outside of the time that I was in college. So I came back home and... My whole time that I've been growing up, I think our entire family has been in real estate in one category or another. My dad obviously fought very hard to start our real estate portfolio. And when he passed, my mom taught us at a very young age as far as like property management and mm-hmm. all that good stuff. So my eldest brother at the time, I asked them to kind of, you know, help me out and kind of connect me with companies and things of that nature. and. Just because I thought it was easy, like numbers, okay, I could do this, right? Yeah. I knew how much he made, so that was obviously, I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, I could do that too. And he didn't uh, think it was the right path to just like plug me into somebody that already knew, so I kind of had to start researching companies that were here locally, that had a good reputation nationwide, and it was so hard to find a job. Like, it was probably the biggest eye-opening experience in my life because I went to an all-girl high school and I think they ingrain you to be like dominant and confident and persistent and to not really think of you being a female to any other like you know you're you're a person right went to college had good success so I never really thought of myself as anybody different but then when I started interviewing like the first couple times I was like what's going on you know like everybody's like oh you don't have any experience oh you don't have any experience I'm like well I have a college degree you know I graduated enough yeah it's supposed to be enough right (laughs) of course my dumb you know young self we all think that because we're told like after you graduate high school go to school and then you get a job 
But that doesn't work out. That no, way. and it and I had jobs, you know. Yeah. So I was like, hey, I have, I have experience. It's just on the mortgage space. Well, and then I realized, I actually was in an industry that was male dominated. Yeah, that was gonna be my next question. Mm-hmm. Is what did the industry look like when you started? Like, how many when you walked into each interview or when you started your first job? How many women were in there? None. So you're the only one. Only one, with exception to the the companies who had a receptionist at the time. Yeah. Only one. Like no one's originating, no one's working the files, like processors there was. I think that there was more processors. Okay. The people who actually, you know, process the paperwork. But there's no salespeople no. that were women. None. And Absolutely. so how was that for you, like being the only woman in the room that was gonna be on the sales team and originating loans and your first job, like, kind of making a name for yourself while being the only mm-hmm. girl in the room. I think that it definitely helped that I grew up with three older brothers, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think that, you know, the the boys passing gas, you know, talking about all the gross things that yeah. boys at that age do, I was immune to that. Yeah. But from... A consumer perspective, I was still really young. You know, I was 20, 21 years old, and having to give people financial advice about how poorly they're doing their handling their money and who am I? I don't own a house, right? I just have studied everything to tell them, like, I know you're doing it wrong, right? Yeah. So I had to study my butt off, you know, in both sales, um, requirements, guidelines, you know, scripts processes like I had to always do more to get maybe half of the credit that other people in the same position just because they were male or older yeah got you know which was completely unfair but I was like you know what I'm never gonna allow my age or the fact that I'm a female ever discredit anything yeah because it's not how it should be no. like how you were saying I'm just a person and I'm just trying to get a job it mm-hmm. shouldn't matter you know, that I am a boy or a girl or that I don't have the exact experience. Like, if it's an entry-level position, kind of how are you asking for someone that has experience? Exactly. And then, I mean, it obviously all panned out because you're very successful now. (laughs) And then, so kind of, I guess, moving on a little bit, but you met your husband in the mortgage industry. So tell me about that. Like, how did you guys meet? And because you guys still work together. We do. So that's an interesting dynamic because not a lot of people (laughs) opt in for that. That was obviously he interviewed me and it's and my whole interview to the job that I ended up starting in the industry. It's kind of its own story. But it was the last interview that I was going to do because I already had a job offer. You know, I got out of college. I was supposed to work in L.A., and when I told them I wanted to go home, kind of take a semester off and then, you know, postpone my enrollment, they're like, hey, you know, we have a San Diego office, like, we'll, we'll let you take a couple months off, you know, be with your friends and family and then start. Or I'm supposed to start, like, right after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So after a couple months, like, every interview I would call my friend and I'd be like, oh, my God, like, this is so annoying, blah, 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 whatever, right? So she's like, you know what, like, it's been a couple months, like, maybe get into a different department within the industry and then give it another a try. So I remember calling her going into the interview, 
And I told her, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the interview and I'm going to go to the house and, you know, I'll see you after type thing. And I walk in and there's a guy that's sitting in the lobby. Mm -hmm. And it's a building that's in Miramar right across from the, the movie theater. So, like, you walk in and there's, like, a little... It's actually walking into an office, but they use it as a, a lobby. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting at the desk, and this was, you know, almost 15 years ago. So, yeah. like, cell phones were a lot bigger, and he had a desktop. He had a phone. Yeah. He had a laptop, and it wasn't, like, a mini laptop. It was, like, another laptop. And then he had, like, a, a like a beeper of the source, and he had, like, two <laughs> cell phones, right? So I'm like, wow, like, this is crazy. Yeah. He is, like, really busy, and it's a guy, and he's in a suit, and he's a receptionist, and the receptionist is this busy. Like, this is the place. I have yeah. to be here. So my interview was, like, let's say at 11. And then I got there, of course, being the perfect interview professional, like 15, 20 minutes prior to my interview. Hot tip for anybody. I know. People, <laughs> Always show up early. <laughs> yeah. Instead of damn thank you card. I have never hired anybody that never followed up after an interview. It's yeah. like, if that's your follow-up, you're, you're not getting a job with me. So I sat there, and then the guy starts talking to me, and he goes like, hey, you know, so, you know, tell me a little about yourself, and then um, ask me about my background, ask me about this, and I was like, God, like, this receptionist is, like, really, really uh, interested, right? So then 11 o'clock came by, 10 minutes later, I was like, you know what? I was like, this is kind of rude. Like, the guy who's telling the receptionist, the receptionist that's supposed to be... um, supposedly just greeting me I was like this is rude like the person who's interviewing me like started like 20-30 minutes I've been here almost an hour yeah and he's like yeah it's been busy and I saw like guys coming in and people going in and you know people that arrived that their interview were at a later time went in I was like okay it's gonna be one of those places so finally like 30-40 minutes after my interview time I go in an interview I sit down and I knew like the first thing I was like okay I'm gonna marry this guy you just knew. I knew, yeah. It was, like, the him. weirdest thing ever, which is, like, if you know anything about me prior, like, that was not me. Everything was planned. Everything was structured. There was a backup to the backup. Like, me even th- saying that out loud, like, in retrospect, is, like, that didn't happen, right? So, anyways, yeah. we go through the interview process, and, you know, later, if you ever interview Edgar, like, his his same kind of explanation of how we met is, like, completely different because, you know, <laughs> that's just the way it is. So then... Anyway, we have a good interview, and then he goes, like, you know, typically at the end of the interview, he goes, we're going to ask for our regional manager, because he was a branch manager at the time, to do second interviews, but when the holidays are looming, you know, we're just very fortunate to have him here today. It's the guy that you were talking to. Exactly. Oh, my god. I literally start sweating, and I'm like... Okay, and he's like, it's Robert. I think you met him. He's actually covering for our receptionist today. Oh, my. Mind you, I've just spent, like, almost an hour confessing my whole story, <laughs> complaining about this guy being so rude. And oh, my gosh. So I was like, okay. He's like, let me go get him. So Robert comes in, um, very bald, tall, you know, traditional Hispanic sort type. And he's down, and he just, like, gives me that smile. And he goes like, well... You know, Anita, I already learned a lot about you, and I just have one question, you know. And later I learned his one question was, sell me this pen. He didn't do the typical corny sales, sell me this pen. He goes, like, I just want to know 
where do you see yourself in the next year or two years, right? Mm -hmm. And then I said, I am going to have either your job or your boss's job, and I hope by then you'd be promoted or retired. And then he smirks. I did. So bold. Oh my God. And, you know, I waited two weeks and then I got the call. I got hired. But I mean, I just, I left that interview and I called my friend. She said, How did it go? I said, I don't know. They're not going to call us until two weeks because of the holidays. But I think I just made my, met my husband. She was like, What are you talking about? You're yeah. probably on drugs. You took my drugs because she was on medication for pain pills. <laughs> And I was like, no, I did. You know, she's like, you don't know if he's married or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, I don't care, you know. So <laughs> that's kind of like my first interview job in the industry. And then it turned out, you know, Edgar's an amazing trainer and mentor. And we didn't actually start dating until after we both left that company. But yeah. it was just I learned a lot, you know. Yeah, that's so fascinating to me. And you guys still work together. I know, which crazy. Which is the crazy part. So, and it's really common in the loan industry for it is. married couples or for one of them to maybe be a loan officer and someone be a realtor. Why do you think that is? If you don't, if you're not in the space, mm -hmm. uh, there's, there's two schools of thought. So there's couples that are completely different fields. So it's like they're naive to the stress that comes in the real estate space. So the person who lives in the industry, works in the industry, will go home and have that as their exit, mm -hmm. you know, their escape to feel like, okay, I go home and my wife, Sally, knows nothing and it's just like I can decompress, right? Mm -hmm. Which is unfortunately not most successful people because there's no stop, mm -hmm. you know, it's 24-7, you're go, go, go. So I think that naturally people in the mortgage real estate industry date people within the industry because it's a crazy industry and if you're not in it you can never really support them mm -hmm. you know so it's just like why aren't you home who are you texting yeah why are you working weekends you yeah. know they don't why are your hours like this I agree. why aren't you off at five and yeah. it's like that's not that's not the way it works yeah. you know and I think because we work so much, you tend to interact with each other more. So it's, yeah. you know, it just happens to be the perfect, you know, relationship. Yeah. I mean, you guys are doing something, right? Yeah, it is. But is it ever challenging working with your husband? For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why our personal uh, relationship has maintained itself so strong because you know, if you think about it, the average marriage, you see your husband maybe, maybe, like, actually talking to them six hours a day. Yeah. Right? Maybe. If that. Even. If that, right? Yeah. So it's like an average couple sees their significant other, let's say you each get home at six, which these days nobody gets home at six. You go to bed at 10. Mm -hmm. That's four hours. And then you wake up at whatever time to leave. And that's assuming you guys have the same schedule, mm -hmm. right? Most times that has conflicting schedules. So you really don't get that, that time, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's why divorce rates are so high because people don't know how to communicate with each other. For us, half of the time we have to force communicate because we have people around us, right? Yeah. We have employees that are like, <laughs> feel awkward <laughs> if we're fighting in front of them, which by gosh, I mean, sometimes we... This, you know, there's, you've been there. There's been times yeah. that it's like, uh-oh. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's like, M Melissa always says, like, um, no fighting in front of the kids or something like that. Yeah. So, you know, you just have to be patient. And I think the, the hardest part is actually trying to disconnect. He's a lot better at it than I am because, mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm fully accessible when it comes to my clients. Mm -hmm. 
but it's it's just you gotta just take it one day at a time yeah and then I mean it definitely so it kind of seems like it's the same things that might be challenging also make your relationship stronger like the challenging part of not getting that space away but it also allows you guys to communicate more effectively and everything so I was always curious about that because even before I was in the mortgage industry I knew loan officers Mm -hmm. and people who worked on their teams they were always their husbands or their wives or their kids and I was like why does the whole family work together you know uh so it's definitely a family affair (laughs) what is What's one thing you wish you had known before you had started your career as a loan officer? That's funny. I told a recruit this yesterday, and I said, you know, if I was to know then what I know now, I think that I wouldn't do anything different as far as, like, how I built my business Mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of just, like, overall planning but I think the one kind of only regret that I do have is not having in the early years of my business the know with all to know that every attorney that I meet has to be in my database to help my clients yeah every attorney that I meet every like third party provider because I think the way of the future is to be a, a, a resource to your clients to connect them to other parallel industries so like yeah. getting a trust you yeah, know, doing your taxes, everything connects. Yeah, but I don't know enough people that I trust because I have a problem trusting people, which you probably know that already. <laughs> so if I would have started like thinking, oh, 15 years ago, every attorney, I'm gonna pre-interview them and they're yeah. gonna go on the naughty or the nice list, right? I would have had a lot nice, li- nicer, nice list. Yeah, everybody's on the naughty list right now. Yeah, um, I think. I think that's really insightful because I think a lot of people don't realize how easy things can be if they network Mm -hmm. a little bit better Mm -hmm. and if they kind of build and maintain those relationships to be able to recall and, you know, refer them to other Mm -hmm. people because word of mouth is still the most effective way Mm -hmm. to get new business, to give new business. And so having the ability to remember and like kind of have a list of go-to people because like Correct. we have a list we have a list of our favorite dry cleaner and mm-hmm. our favorite nail place and you know food yeah come on guys exactly like so food. we have a list of ongoing things so especially if you're in a business where it comes to referrals are huge that's a big part of it yeah is being able to maintain those relationships and then so you've been a loan officer for how long so almost 15 years. Almost 15 years. So you've seen it all. the good times, yeah. the bad times, the really bad times. Yeah. So what's some advice that you would give to like the millennial generation? Because I know a lot of my friends are either buying homes or thinking about buying homes or thinking they can't buy homes. So mm-hmm. what's some like advice that you have for millennials in general when it comes to that? So I think for all home buyers, because I think it's, it's kind of like the number one pattern that I see is people eating their check, mm-hmm. you know, like literally when I mean eating their check, like they will eat out, you yeah. know, and I'm guilty of it too. Like I splurge, but it obviously impacts you to more than one degree. But I feel that people sometimes wait too long to mm-hmm. try to, you know, get into something and they want to like buy a two bedroom or buy a three bedroom or buy a house, not a condo. And it's like, in San Diego, buy anything. Mm-hmm. Like, it's San Diego County. Like, get where you can get in. Yeah. So the one advice that I have is 
you got to look at your budget, yeah. right? So you have to look at how much do I make? What are my debts? Because obviously if you have a lot of debt, like that needs to go away first, yeah. right? And then where am I spending your money, you yeah. know? I would have my clients, um, and I still do this, I print out, you know, three or four months of your bank statements, put red on things that you can automatically cut out. Yeah. You know, like cable, if you don't ever use cable, yeah. use Netflix, you know, get a different data plan. Yeah, like there's a de- bunch of different ways to like cut costs. For sure, you know. Yeah, and I think that that does affect everybody. I think with millennials, it's more of, I don't know, I don't feel, how do you, do you think that there's a ton of millennials that are buying houses? I think they don't see the the long-term kind of, like, when we grew up, you know, our parents saw buying a house as a sense of accomplishment. Yeah. And I think the generation that we're in mm-hmm. don't view home buying as a sense of accomplishment. They see it as a burden. Yeah. Okay. And I, like I think that. if you see it as a burden, then you're not going to work hard towards it. It's like yeah. exercise. Very few people get up and say, I'm going to go exercise, right? Yeah. But if they're, <laughs> like, totally in it, they're going to be like, I want to exercise. I like the adrenaline. I like all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but I see a ton of clients. I mean, we just got a new uh, program where, you know, it's like reduced credit scores. Like the, the states are giving you assistance mm-hmm. to buy a house. There's tax benefits. Yeah. But if, you know, I, I had a discussion with somebody today. They make $171,000 and they're self-employed, so they get a write-off a lot. So they actually pay taxes off of ninety. They have bad expectations as far as like what they want in a home payment because they want to pay $2,000 when their car payment's $1,400. And it's like the concept of understanding that a mortgage is obviously going to be more than a car and then why do you have a $1,400 car payment? Seriously, right? what kind of car is <laughs> That's it? like, it's a challenger. <laughs> it's not even like a nice car. And I'm like, I, I felt like I was, you know, I had to like ask like two, three times. I'm like, what car is it? Like, yeah. I just had to know what cost you $1,400. Yeah, I'm like, it has to be like a Tesla. Like No, something. it's a challenger. I Googled it. So I'm like, isn't that just like a car? Yeah, you know? it's a really ugly car. Yeah, right? <laughs> but apparently, like, they made bad decisions. You know, yeah. they had a car. It was upside down. They traded it in. That was upside down. So I think the second advice that I would have is, like, get informed. Like, even if you're not going to buy until, like, one, two, three, four years, you know, I wouldn't ever mind talking to somebody and say, this is what a mortgage payment costs you. Mm-hmm. This is what you have to make to get in the house. This is what that equals as far as a house. And then, you know, a lot of my clients who think that they can't buy are like, oh, my goodness. Like, I didn't realize it was this easy. Yeah. And then you either decide or you put a plan, you know. Yeah. I think from my experience being on your team, I think once you give people, once you educate people, mm-hmm and they're able to understand and they let it sink in, like, even if they're not ready to tomorrow, like, at least you've planted the seed and they're going to go back to the person that told them how it was. Correct. You know, and, like, trust that person. And to talk. Like, I think people, that's the one thing, not to bash on millennials, because I think I'm still considered one. Am I? (laughs) I Yeah. Okay. Um, I can bash about myself. People don't know how to talk. Yeah. Well, because we're on our phones and it's, we've literally have created so many apps Mm -hmm. to avoid human interaction. Correct. Like I want to order a car and not have to speak to the person Mm -hmm. and I want to order food and have it come right to my door and I'm going to text my appointments rather than call my appointments. And it's like with this kind of stuff, you can't. I have a client that I asked to come in months ago. 
they didn't come in and they weren't participating in the process. So I said, you know, my team and I can't help you because you're not participating. Yeah. They want to know it more than us. So finally, they everything that I knew was going to happen negatively to them mm-hmm. happened. They're in escrow. Call me tomorrow. Call me yesterday. And I said, you know, the door's always open. I tell everybody, the door's always open. Sure enough, they come in today and we can problem solve. Granted, yeah, it took like three hours. It took us them not sleeping all night. Yeah. And we have a plan, yeah. you know, but they're four months into the process. They could have gotten a much better deal four months ago than they can today, but they didn't want to take the time to come in and actually have a face-to-face interaction. Yeah. You know, they wanted to text and you know make it easy and it's like you're getting a mortgage you know yeah well and it's like how many times are you on the internet like filling out a form Mm -hmm. or doing something and you just get so frustrated Mm -hmm. and it's like but they don't have anybody for you to actually speak to correct so it's like you can't you can cut corners and you can use technology for so many things but there's just some things that you can't and that you should be dealing with a human and not like a robot on the internet 100 percent. yeah you know i'm guilty of it i do doctor video doctors like I don't go <laughs> tell a doc yeah you know why am I going to go to the doctor like yeah. and I know I'm not getting the same level of service right yeah. so if I really thought something and I'm total extreme if I think something's wrong I'll like have Edgar rush me to the emergency <laughs> room so total extreme right but you know it's the that's my biggest challenge today yeah. luckily I work for a company that is very high tech that allows me the courtesy to get to my clients to be high touch the clients that need the high touch don't even know how to take like to talk yeah. you know to to have an actual conversation and it's sad yeah what does success look like for you in life or in, in everything yeah in life like what if you you know you're old and whatever you're looking back on your life like what would you be like that's when I knew I was successful so I think so like the next kind of you know, phase, I think that success to me is kind of determined in like success in family, so that's success at home, success at work. So at home, obviously, to, to be happily married and to have, you know, a, a very strong relationship with my significant other. I think the one part that me being so busy at work, I used to be a lot more involved in my community and like selfishly, it makes me feel like really, really good to be able to give back whether it be with my, you know, financially or just time mm-hmm. and my resources. And I would hope that by the time I look back, I would have been able to contribute more, yeah. especially, like, with me being my background. Like, there's definitely a lot more female leaders in the mortgage industry today, and we've had a lot of trajectory and getting a lot of them up fast. But I think that there's still, you know, there's no, there's no way you can get into the mortgage industry without just either working for a call center, which you're uh, you're never gonna get anywhere, yeah. you know, unfortunately, or finding like a really good mentor that's really willing to like invest in you and take you under your wing. And those are far and few between because, you know, it's all about them. Yeah. So I would hope that I could have more involvement in the community because I know that's one thing that I'm personally working on myself. And then obviously um, continue to have a strong relationship with my family and then obviously financially because that's you know why we're working our tail off so much not have to work 14 hour days to make sure that all of our clients are touched at some point I have to slow down before I kill myself you know <laughs> they're down here drying um, oh yeah so that's why I think that success would be you know like being more ingrained in the community 
having a strong relationship at home, you know, keeping my core values with my family mm-hmm. strong, and then obviously make sure that I have enough set aside financially to where I don't have to, you know, work so so many hours. You don't have to grind. Yeah, grind. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I definitely agree. I think it, success for me would be the balance between all three of those, mm-hmm. my personal life, my work life, and then socially too, mm-hmm. you know, because I think, and I think that that's just what the figuring it all out is about, is finding right. the balance between those three things. Uh, so you kind of touched base on it, but you're somewhat of an, al- uh, not an alcoholic. Alcoholic guy. <laughs> you're no. somewhat of a workaholic. Yeah, that sometimes on a day. Uh, <laughs> I am an alcoholic, by the way, because, well, not right now, but when I went on that, you know, when we were said we were going to, like, get healthier or whatever. Yeah. I, that we went to the first training, not to dist- derail the conversation. You could probably maybe edit this out, but uh, they're like, okay, so no drinking. And then I was like, oh, drinking, you know, whatever. <laughs> so then they're like, yeah, you know, if you're really drinking more than two to three times a week or whatever, they said you're an alcoholic. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I drink like every day. And then I Googled it. And yeah, according to Google, I'm an alcoholic because I would drink a glass of wine every single day. I don't think it counts if it's just a glass yeah, of wine Yeah, well, every whatever day. Google, Google told me and I was alcoholic. <laughs> if it's so on the internet, it's yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, but yeah, so you're somewhat of a workaholic, which isn't necessarily a bad thing Mm -hmm. you know it does there are benefits and there are successes that come with working as hard as you do totally uh but so what do you do to try to maintain that like work life balance between everything else so surprisingly you know I have the very fortunate um luxury that my husband loves (laughs) self-care so I Edgar and I tried to try to disconnect as much as possible like we're obviously huge winos so Mm -hmm. just to try to like get out of town sometimes or to go to a quick escape because it is you know the grind is like it is especially right now in the environment that we're in it it takes a toll on you you Mm -hmm. know so that's number one like even the simplest thing where you know we get up early and go outside to our garden and we just like get fresh tomatoes or like you know be able to cook at home like he's an amazing chef and I think like on Tuesday sometimes I'm like can you cook this weekend and like I already know I'm looking forward to that because he's just such a good cook and my family can come over and they love it and then obviously my family you know I love going to go see my grandma I think that anytime I'm like super super stressed like I that's like my go-to like cross the border just sit there and it just like life just like slows down yeah and I think kind of like grounds me again so that's how I try to balance and then obviously now I started kickboxing which is absolutely amazing I like pretend I'm like boxing out underwriters that (laughs) aren't doing what I want them to do or whatever the case may be but that has been like a huge huge relief is just literally punching a bag like if anybody has not done that like Melissa told me for months and then I did it and I was like oh my god why wasn't I doing this before you know that's awesome I've actually never done it before it seems very intimidating it is but you have to go to the right place because I mean I don't go to like a traditional boxing gym I go to like a you know, it's called Rock Box Fitness. It's in PB. If anybody's interested, you can download the app and get a free class for the first time. And the trainers are always there. And I feel like, I think they feel bad for me because I don't, I don't have any coordination. Like, to walk sometimes is a struggle because my brain is like, oh, I'm walking, right? Like, I have to be present. 
and they like you know tell you how to hit it and things like that yeah. and they have technique tuesday which all they do is like show you how to shadow box and oh, okay and then you do it at your own pace that's what i like right like you can go as hard or as soft against the bag like i obviously broke my ankle a couple years ago and like i don't like kicking the bag i'll do the mo- motion but my foot is not landing on that bag. yeah it's not touching yeah it. it's probably for the best so what we've talked a lot about your success and how you got to where you are today and everything but what would you say is your biggest failure like what was something and you know usually failures whether big or small are how we learn for so sure it was probably something that like sparked something in your mind that you like set a new goal and like it progressed you even further but mm-hmm. what would you consider would be your biggest failure so far in your career so I think like the total career space would probably be like so I got my broker's license which is outside of lending yeah early on in my career because I wanted to know how to protect my clients and I think that I failed at not getting it sooner. Okay. Because the reason why I got it was because I had suspicion that me doing the lending at that time, I only could protect my client so far, mm-hmm. right? And at that time, I was only two, three years in the industry, so all I would see is the loan paperwork. I didn't get to see anything contractually about the house part, which is what the broker is. But then, like, eventually, like, clients would call me after and be like I don't want to pay my house anymore like this happened with the house or they told me this or they told me that and I was like oh my gosh like is it something that I did or is it something that is just statistically you're gonna have problems with the house well no I I realized that some realtors are horrible people yeah and they would lie to the clients you know like all the time so I said enough is enough but it did take me you know like a good year and a half ish to like focus get my license learn more on that side even though like I it wasn't my it was outside of the scope of what I was was supposed to do but I'm such a control freak that Mm -hmm. I'm like I don't want any of my clients getting taken advantage on yeah and you know by the time I got it I realized it so getting your broker license how did that help you protect your clients more I could call out anybody on anything still to this day Mm -hmm. contractually that they're doing wrong on the contract Okay. So I practiced real estate, so I knew all the bad things that realtors would do. Yeah. So that when I came back to just strictly only doing financing, you know, realtors who are the people who show clients the house, yeah, always like to comment on the loan and hide the stuff that they're doing. But now I can actually see, like, hey, you know, you're buying in this area and blah 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 is supposed to be disclosed to you contractually okay you know or they were supposed to tell you somebody died in the house you know contractually you know and yeah i mean buyers you you sign like when i started we still had to like physically sign docusign came out like towards the tail end yeah now it's insane you know an electronic signature we all do it it's we download an app and we just agree to the terms and conditions sign bye bye. yeah i don't want to think about it i don't want to read this it's crazy plus um there's contractual agreement so like Mm -hmm. you as a buyer if you go to buy a house and you the realtor that you're working with makes you sign a buyer agreement agency basically saying that you're agreeing for that person and only that person to get compensated Mm -hmm. regardless if you find the house or somebody else tells you the house that, you know, could cost you tens of thousands of dollars, depending on the purchase price, that you owe that person, whether or not that person is, just by signing that contract. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it just allowed me to be more cognizant of what other people are doing in the transaction, 
because then this way I see things on my side and I said, hey, I'm going to raise my hand and say, this isn't normal. You know, yeah. this is what you should be asking as a consumer. This is outside of the scope of my responsibility, but blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's really rare. I think that a lot of people totally. don't have the client's best interest, Mm-mm. you know, and I think that you have been in the industry, you and Edgar have both collectively been in the industry for so long that you have established relationships with people that also are like-minded and that the client always comes first. They are looking out for everybody. But I mean, there's plenty of times that you have deals that aren't with someone that you know and someone that you trust. And so it's, it's always comforting to know that there are still people that do care about clients and that aren't just trying to get people to buy these houses just because they want the commission, you know? And that's what it is. You know, it's sad. That's exactly what it was. It's like, especially part-time realtors, you know, like I get it, you know, moms having second jobs, like San Diego is so expensive, but you're, you're in an industry that even doing it full time Mm -hmm. is not enough time. Yeah. So how could you ethically feel that you could do that to a consumer and do it well? Yeah. You know, you can't. No, you definitely can't. And it's. A little disheartening, but I mean, there are people like you, like Edgar, like your realtor partners that you trust and, you know, that you will also call out if you're like, hey, what are you doing? Like, this is not like you. Like, why are you not putting our client's interests For sure. Because everybody kind of tries to go sideways sometimes. Yeah. Because, I mean, realtors, they're realtors. Yeah. (laughs) Even the best of them, like, nothing against them. Yeah. Everybody's human. Definitely. So, we talked a lot about people in like career-wise that have been along either the entire time or part of the journey but like who who would you say like were the most influential people to you like who mentored you who really taught you lessons that have stuck with you I think like life-wise and then just being like very um dominant and I deny ever kind of saying that I am like my mom, but I am like my mom. My mom has, number one, you know, survived having to be a single mom, being Mm -hmm. married and widowed and, you know, super young age with four kids. And granted, you know, we had it easier than some people because my dad, you know, busted his tail early Mm -hmm. to set us up to make sure that we had at least some real estate for her to kind of support us with. But, mm-hmm. you know, we never had it. She never had a new car. We all went to private school and she paid that, you know, herself. Yeah. Didn't get any financial assistance, you know. So I think my mom for sure was being like a business owner. Yeah. You know, because it's like my mom's all business. Like yeah. she will she will negotiate every single vendor respectfully, right? Yeah. But, but you know, she's never going to allow anybody to charge her more. To, like, take advantage no. of her. Mm-mm. Yeah. Never. And then I think definitely Edgar, of course, um, because ethics prevail. Mm-hmm. And that's what kept us, you know, busy even during the meltdown was that we would tell a lot of people it's not a good time to buy. Yeah. You know, and why they shouldn't buy. And yeah. what loan not to get. You know, we never did any of those funny loans. All of our clients got fixed mortgages and they paid principal and interest and if they got taken advantage it was from somebody else not through us against our recommendation so he definitely was like a really big impact in my early years because if you start with somebody who's in the industry that does things bad Mm -hmm. you don't know anything other than just bad yeah exactly so I was just dumb luck was good on my side 
to where I think it was Monster. I think it was his monster. Was that the website? I don't know. It was probably before your time. It was like the, the older day indeed. Oh, like monster.com. Yeah, yeah. It was monster. I think that's how he found me. Um, but, you know, dumb luck that, you know, destiny kind of put us to align ourselves and that we stayed in contact even after we left. But I think those two, like life-wise and then career-wise, were definitely like at the forefront of like me being able to be successful in life and then mm-hmm. also successful at work. Yeah. Know? But don't tell him. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Edgar, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even know what we're doing. Um, he's supposed to be golfing. Yeah, he was. I think he was like, oh, well, Victoria's coming. He's like, where are we going? I'm like, we're not going anywhere. No. <laughs> She's coming to you guys. Yeah, he was so confused. <laughs> okay, so this is my last question before we get it out of the business and career stuff. But if you weren't... <laughs> a loan officer or in real estate whatsoever what is your dream career oh my god I am born to be a singer (laughs) I am supposed to be on stage I don't sing I know that's why Victoria's laughing because I tell her this all the time I should have been a Madonna like I should have been a Madonna so I think if I had money yeah like think about it all these artists like it's money that made them famous like it's not like they're really famous right yeah so in the like non-real world I think that's what I would do yeah like number one um aside from that you know somebody asked me this the other day and I'm like I gave them an answer they're like no seriously I'm like no seriously I was supposed to be on stage I would have groupies and you have the personality yeah I would totally be on stage um but I don't know like I think that as random as it sounds like I love flowers Mm-hmm. So, like, having, like, some kind of, like, floral business, like, really interests me just because I think it's something that's so interesting. Like, mm-hmm. how a flower comes from, like, a seed in the ground to this, like, crazy thing, right? Yeah. Like, it's just, like, mind it's just, like, like, how planes fly. How does that happen, right? <laughs> a big-ass rock in the air. Yeah. Um, so, I... It's hard for me to imagine me doing anything else because I love what I do. Yeah. You know, and I think that once you love what you do, you don't see it as work. Yeah. I mean, it's still work because, you know, it's definitely difficult, but um, it's hard. You know, I don't know. Like, I was just asked this the other day. I'm like, I can't really, you know, maybe something with kids because I love kids, but I don't do diapers and I certainly don't do puke. So... That's, like, two things that those things do. So I don't know about... <laughs> those things. Yeah, those things. Children. Yeah, children. Yeah. That's awesome, though. That's awesome that you have... That you still love what you do that much. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people, if they're asked that question, they have an answer right yeah. away. Like, they're like, oh, I would be a teacher. I would be a nurse. You know, and it's yeah. just kind of like, well, why aren't you then? If that's right off the top of your yeah. head. Yeah, go so, do it. You still could do it. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so moving on from business, I want to talk about your adorable baby nephew. Oh, Danny. Baby Danny. Baby Danny, because you're always sending me pictures. <laughs> As a meme. <laughs> yeah. He, his dad makes memes of him. Yeah, like, totally. He's so cute. And you have a bunch of nephews and nieces yeah, that totally. in your family that you're always spending time with, and you're super involved, which is awesome. Uh, so does being a super involved Tia, has it made you want to have kids of your own or has it done the opposite I think it's kind of done the opposite by virtue that I'm now kind of outnumbered um 
I think the one thing Edgar and I, so Edgar wants a child as if it was like 10 years ago or two or three. It was up to him, right? We would have had like a whole clan. Um, but I am very like passionate in like everything that I do, right? Mm-hmm. So like if I'm at work, it's all about work. Like my yeah. mom would call me, I'll answer and I'll be like, is it an emergency? Because I'm at work, right? Yeah. Like I really take that time because I feel like, you know, I'm there for my clients. <coughs> but of course having it like, when you're old, like, who's going to take care of me, right? Like, that's, like, the one thing that's in the back of my head. Somebody's going to have to wipe my butt. I'm going to wipe somebody else's butt. But I think that my concern in having a family is that, like, oh, my God, like, if I'm going to realize I'm going to be a mom and I'm not going to want to work, right? Mm-hmm. And Edgar's like, you're going to work. Like, you're not going to not work. That's yeah. not a thing. But that's my, like, concern. It's like, oh, my gosh, if I have a child, Am I going to be okay, like, not having that, well, I say thing, I shouldn't say that, but having the child, like, right there, plus I'm very selfish with my time. Mm -hmm. Like, I think by virtue of us working so much, like, I want to be able to say, like, the other day was on Monday night, and we're driving home, and Edgar's like, do you want to go to the casino? And I'm like, sure. We turn around, and we go to the casino. Who does that? Him. You know, like... He does love a good casino steak. He does. He does. Oh, my God. God bless his heart. Um, I like to sleep. Yeah. Right? Like, I genuinely like to sleep. Like, yeah. I, that's, I like to sleep. And having a baby, like, wake up, you know, and I know that everybody says, oh, and it's your own, da 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 whatever. It's different. It's, it's different. B.S. Why are you always trying to leave the kid with somebody else, right? If it was so different... Uh, why is you it that day Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, like, just, like, the even with my nieces and my nephews, like, and this is probably why I don't babysit, I don't do diapers, you know? Like, mainly I don't do diapers because I'm deathly afraid of, like, wiping them the wrong way and, like, causing an infection or, yeah. like, they move a lot. Like, I've done baby Danny's diapers, like, pee, no problem, but he's, like, running in circles. I did it the other day with my mom. He was standing, you know. So, like, I'll definitely get them out of a dirty diaper, but I'm concerned about that. And yeah. I know they say again, whatever. Danny came in here today and told us a story about how the baby went to his first swim class, and he was constipated, and the baby got mango, and the baby exploded in the pool. And, like, it, then the baby exploded in the car. Then the baby exploded when Rosie was holding him. Like, the baby exploded. I was like, how is that going to make me want to have a child, you know? So it was disgusting. That's so terrible. Yeah. So it was like, I, I don't know. I feel bad for this swim instructor. Oh, I know. And she was like, oh. And, like, and he was like, Toy Max is like, oh. You should have gotten the baby a different size diaper. Yeah, you sold it to me last week. You picked it. You oh, like the water diaper? Yeah. She's like, you. I bought it here from you last week. Like, what the hell? Um, oh, so, I don't know. And then, you know, I, I, really, I really enjoy the time I get to spend with my nieces and nephew, but I'm really not as good as an aunt as I would want to be just mm-hmm. because, like, they're all super involved and, you know, Danny's actually now going to live across the street yeah. soon. So, like, that's obviously going to be, like, a major blessing and for me and, and the baby and Edgar and our relationship. But that's going to allow us to get closer. But even my family being in San Diego, you know, like, the girls are, are so involved in extracurricular activities that we don't get to see each other as much as I, yeah. you know, want to. But, yeah, I think the fact that I have so many of them, it's, like, a pacifier, you know, yeah. especially, like, that... That's like an assembly line. My, my other brother, Hanato, you know, his wife is now pregnant and going to have a baby. So it's like, I think if that, like, assembly line stops, 
You know, yeah. I was like, wait a second. You know, who's next? You yeah, know? if no, if everyone stops having babies. Yeah. But right now it's been like everyone. Yeah, so it's like I get my fix. You know? Yeah, definitely. I feel the same way. Like I love my nephew and I love all my friends' kids and everything and spending time with them. But after like eight hours, I'm like, Done. I'm tired totally. and I can't entertain you anymore yeah. and I don't want to entertain you anymore yeah. and I'm going home. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be on. Yeah. Like I went to one baby gymboree class with Danny and my mom didn't forewarn me as far as how interactive it is. Like yeah. they call it baby gym. The parents get a better <laughs> exercise than the child. I love sweating. I was like literally like sweating. Yeah. You know, so I was like, I don't know man. I don't I told her I was like, I don't know I think I definitely would love the child to death, but I don't yeah. know if I can hang. Yeah, and I just recently touched on this topic with my friend Jessica, who's a stay-at-home mom, but is going back to work. But there used to be such a stigma about being a mom who worked, mm-hmm. and I feel like it's finally, like, it's kind of becoming more common for either both parents to work or for the mom to work and maybe even dad to stay home. Totally. And everything like that. But has your desire for to be so successful in your career is that kind of what prevented you from wanting a family no I just got like a big thing coming out of there like my mom told me so like where I decided when I shouldn't say I decided where I became very like I cannot imagine myself having a child is when I was in the delivery room when my nephew, and I probably shouldn't be saying this, but I doubt she's going to listen to this, but my nephew was being born. Yeah. And, like, stuff, really gross stuff <laughs> happens, you know, like, really gross, like, traumatizing. Yeah. And my mom said, you know, like, you don't, women who do not have kids do not go in the delivery room. Yeah. And now I know why, right? Yeah. That's now, like, five years later, and I'm still, like, ooh, every time I, you know, see the person. But... I think it was more the sense to where the the fact that Edgar and I work so much at the time that we have outside of work, mm-hmm. you know, it's precious. And I don't want to raise a, I don't want to bring a kid into this world that I feel will be like those bad kids, you know, like the yeah. parents were like judges and attorneys and they got like not present. Exactly. Yeah. They weren't present, you know, and I don't think that I think we'd find a balance, you know, yeah. like I tell them. If we really want one, like we'll figure it out. Even yeah. if it means like finding an office where the kid's like in an office next door or something. Yeah. You know? And I think it's just kinda like one of those things that it hasn't became a priority. So I don't think it's like I put my work for success. I just think that I haven't wanted it enough to yeah. to make it a priority. Yeah. You know? I yeah. I mean Hearing all of my friends, none of my friends have had a good or easy delivery story in years. Like, everyone has had to have, like, emergency C-sections and, you know, just crazy stories. And I was in the room when my sister gave birth to and that I... You're not going to have a kid either. Yeah, I told her. I was like, I don't think I could ever go through that. Kudos to the people who do it without epidural. I was just like, yeah, it's awesome because there's going to be a baby here soon, Mm -hmm. but I don't like the whole process of how that baby's going to be here. Yeah, Yeah, I'm good on the babies. (laughs) For (laughs) For sure. Yeah, probably for the rest of my life. But, I mean, family is super important to you. And, you know, like you said, like you grew up with three older brothers. You're the youngest. You know, your mom was 
doing it all uh, on her mm-hmm. own for a really long time and everything like that. So has family always been number one oh, for totally. you guys? Yeah, I think that, you know, every family fights, but I think that all of our, like, all my siblings, if it was probably up to us, <laughs> we would always be at my mom's house, Yeah, you know? And it's like, and now, like, they have wives, and it's like, their wives don't want to always be at my mom's house, you know? But I think, like, that's how we are. Like, oh, we'll just go to mom's house. And, like, yeah. what are we going to do? Like, Edgar always asks me, what are we going to do at your mom's house? Nothing. We're going to just do nothing. Isn't that amazing? We're going to go and do nothing. Yeah. And I get it, you know, like, I wish that we were that family that did more stuff outdoors and, you know, did kind of crazy stuff. And my eldest brother has been really good about starting to do that stuff. But, yeah, I mean, I think the fact that we lost our dad and something so tragic happened to our immediate family, I think it forced us to really... Like, it's your family. Yeah. You know, everything else, you know, is going to come and go. go. Yeah. Yeah. But your family. And, I mean, you're super close with Danny because you guys are super close in age, right? Yeah. Aren't you? 18 months. Yeah. Yeah. He's 18 months older. (laughs) Everybody thinks I'm older. And I was like, no, his ass is older. Yeah. Can't you see the gray hair? Yeah. No. Yeah. We were close. And it's kind of funny because we weren't close. We weren't the closest growing up. Yeah. I was actually the closest with um, my brother who now lives in Seattle. Edgar's trying to make a guest appearance. Should we make Edgar make a guest appearance? Oh, what he's, he's, doing, doing? he's doing that one with that video. He's flossing. He's flossing <laughs> in the window. <laughs> um, growing up, I was actually the closest with my brother, Hanato. Mm-hmm. And I would tell him everything. And then when I went to college, like, Danny and I, ironically, weren't very close growing up. You know, just because, like... I think we're too close too in close age. age when yeah. you're growing up. Yeah, I was gonna, what am I going to really take? You know, like, how is he going to give me any advice? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Guys mature later. Yeah. Um, so I think the fact that we went to college, like, so I went to college in Loyola with Danny. Mm-hmm. And he's one year, like, calendar when, like, advanced. Yeah, a year ahead of me because I'm younger I entered in younger, so when I went into my first year in Loyola, I was in the second year in Loyola. And he was originally going to study engineering and got into, like, a fraternity. And, of course, it's like we were, like, very sheltered growing up, so he obviously wasn't doing very good educationally. And I remember... I was like, oh, my God, this guy is going to get kicked out of college, and then I'm going to have to go back home. So got him into the business school, you know, transfer degrees, and then got his grades up and everything, and, you know... We were two people um, in a completely different town in L.A., you know, so, like, we got really, really close, and then, obviously, when he decided that he wanted to, you know, come into the um, real estate business, I essentially, like, all my past clients and family and friends, you know, it was the easy transition when I stopped selling real estate. He took took on, Mm -hmm. he totally developed his own company and, you know, branding and doing really well, but... I think the fact that we have to interact with each other on a daily basis for work yeah. has gotten us closer, yeah. you know, because I just don't have to do that with my other brothers. Yeah. He gets lucky. He's lucky. He gets to do with <laughs> me every day. <laughs> He's lucky. I miss him bringing donuts every day. Oh, my God. We made him day, stop. He actually just did it. <laughs> yeah, because we had told him to stop for a while, and then Angelica brought in some Hans and Harry from yeah. Benita, and he saw her come in. He's like, Psh. What? You guys are y'all hurt? Next day, boom, box of donuts. And I was like, oh, my God. So we kind of covered everything that I wanted to cover. Oh, wow. That was easy. 
Did I do good? Yeah, you did really good. <laughs> but now I want to get into some rapid fire questions. Okay. <laughs> so Can I, I answer in you... Spanish and make everybody understand? No? Okay. Everyone has to Google Translate. Yeah, Google Translate. <laughs> Here on that. Turn on your Google Translator. Uh, no, you just want to think of like the whatever comes to mind first. Okay. Okay, so first question. <laughs> the, this one's a longer question. Oh, okay. Always it's not rapid. It's not rapid fire. You've always said your favorite color is clear. True statement. Do you want to redeem yourself and no. change that answer to no. a real color? No, that is a fucking color. <laughs> it matches with everything. It's see-through. It's not clear a real Clear is oh a color, right? You put it on top of everything, and it brings out a different color. But clear is a color. So no, I'm not redeeming myself. Final answer, clear. I'm going to do an Instagram poll. Is clear, <laughs> color? clear is a color. Uh, if you could interview any person, dead or alive, from your life, not a celebrity, who would you interview? My dad, for sure. Yeah. yeah, what would you ask him? Oh, fuck, dude. I would... What would I ask him? What would your first question be? My first question for him? Like, I think definitely it would just be, like... How did he know, like, my mom was, the, like, my mom's, my dad stalked my mom, like, literally. So, like, I felt like I had that same instinct. So, yeah. I was, like, people that say that destiny doesn't exist, like, y'all, that exists, you yeah. know? Like, you know. So, I just would want to know, like, when did he know, like, to, like, literally pay off a Mexican police officer to find out where my mom lived, you know? Because he was, like, stalking her from church. So I think that would be my first question, just yeah. because it's like a love story. Yeah, know? that's really sweet. I didn't know that. Uh, what is one thing you've always wanted to do, but you've never done? Paris. That's like easy. Yeah, I got to do it. Yeah, you guys do. You need a vacation. I know. We're going to Hawaii. When? Uh, next month. That's awesome. I know. We're excited. That's super exciting. Uh, what's your current favorite, favorite TV show? So... I don't know if it's a show, but it suits. Well, I don't know if TV, like TV doesn't exist, you know. If it's TV, like cable TV, it's Law and Order. Like, I'm just a weirdo. Like, the old ones, ideally. Yeah. But if it's, like, stuff that's on the actual TV, but it's not a TV show on cable, I like Suits. Suits is on TV. If, I know, but is, is it cable? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's on I, I watch everything recorded. Yeah, you so watch everything on know. demand. So you're yeah, just like, it's know. all on demand. Yeah, it's like I press the button. Suits. Suits is really good. And then it has that new spinoff. Yeah. That you watched. I like that you too. You like that one? Yeah, I like yeah. that too. I haven't seen like, it yet. It's like mindless, you know, I like yeah. mindless stuff. Yeah, well, because your brain's going yeah, overdrive like all day long. Yeah. yeah. How much do you miss having me on your team? I think that I get a lot more work done just because I focus. You know, like we, not to say that we wouldn't work, but yeah. it's like having a friend at work is hard, right? Because yeah. you just derail, yeah. you know, everything. I scared everybody today. I told them the gremlin and Jungo. I was like, she gave up on you guys. <laughs> and then, <laughs> she didn't on me. She quit on you guys. Yeah, no, a lot. We all miss you, of course. That's a given. Uh, is now a good time to buy a house? Oh, by far, dude. I don't get it. Like, I mean, it's like people, I finally stopped hearing the like, oh, I think the market's going to crash, right? Because yeah. like every time I heard that, I just want to like, boop, pop somebody in the face. Because it's like, and then what? You know, yeah. because the market crashed, you're still not going to buy. Like, just yeah. be real. Like, you're scared of commitment. That's yeah. what it comes down to. Yeah. I mean, Buying a house should be, first and foremost, a tax benefit, a roof over your head, and a long-term wealth. Yeah. So, so long as you can afford your house, who cares what happens in the long term? It's going to all pan out. So, yes, like, 100% buy. Buy whatever you can get into. Yeah. You know, within your means, of course. Like, 
don't like you know don't eat. get crazy yeah don't get crazy I won't let you get crazy <laughs> and then what's something I didn't ask you today that you wanted me to ask you or that you thought I would ask you oh do you want your job back because that's a yes <laughs> <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> not kidding JK, I did not JK. see that coming I, I was like she's not gonna have anything to say. <laughs> the last thing I want to do is just finish a sentence so the sentence I want to finish is I'll know I've made it when I think I made it you know I like that yeah answer. I think I made it like I knew I made it when and, I, and it's not like a financial made it it's yeah. like a you know made it made it like it's and I could tell you it's one of my past clients he left me a review and and I, my oh my whole fear in the mortgage industry was always like I never want to be so successful that I lose sight of the people who genuinely need me. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, I have people from, like, the chargers all the way down to, you know, people that are on, you know, fixed Social Security income, right? Yeah. And I always wanted to protect that to where every client felt that they were important to me. And I knew I made it when one of my clients basically, and that's what my it was, right? Like, I never wanted to get, and I was super successful at the time. He left me a review, and, like, I didn't even know because, like, you only have to ask somebody where you lived and what you did for the past two years. Yeah. And his review was pretty much saying how prior to him buying a house, he was homeless. Wow. He literally was homeless, you know, and how I didn't treat him any differently. And it it literally just, like, hit me, you know. I yeah. was like, okay, well, that's my it moment. Yeah. But it also was just, like, humbling. And his comment was, like, I never judged him. Granted, I didn't know that yeah. that was the case. But I think that it was, like, a brush of fresh air to, to hear clients come back and say, and I hear that time and time again. Yeah. So it's, like, that's the number one compliment that people always say, like, you know, which I'm genuine about it. Like, I really do care about my clients. Yeah, and, absolutely. Even you if know. you had known that about him, no. that would have made you want to help him find a home For even sure. more yeah. than you already did. And, you know... There's times that you have to go about your experience and talk about it, but I think I and my goal in every um, kind of commitment to a client is I want them to feel comfortable coming to me about mm-hmm. any kind of life questions. Mm-hmm. Like I have clients ask me the most randomest stuff, and just because of our interaction with finances, like we could genuinely give you a, put you in the right direction. Yeah, but we care. You know, some of my clients become my super good friends, and yeah. you know, it's that's that's what I wanted. You know? Yeah, it's just that moment of, like, there, there's a greater purpose, totally. and I think that's what it is. Yeah, the need. They feel that you you were needed, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, before we wrap this up, how can people connect with you on social media? I think um, on Instagram. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I was like, is that a question? <laughs> is that a one point question? Yeah. So, um, it's my name. Yeah. Super easy. Anita Aguilar. I'm not private. I think it's weird when people are private. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me of today. Course. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Uh, and I'll let you go ahead and get back to get work. Get back to work. Sounds like a plan. I forget what it's like. Like, just people, random people showing up. <laughs> I'm not used to it.